0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that focuses on horology from a veteran's perspective, as well as sharing valuable veteran resources with the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason. I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. Uh, Episode 66 is a special episode. It's brought to you by the Anti-Watch Watch -Watch Club. The Anti-Watch Watch -Watch Club is a 501c3 charity that utilizes a drop-style culture to support all kinds of charities for veterans, first responders, law enforcement, They sell cool stuff like the flag you see behind me, t shirts, Nalgene bottles, all that stuff. Uh, 100% of the proceeds go to these charities and no one draws a salary. Great. Check them out, antiwatchclub.org. A great group of stuff. I I highly recommend the Nalgene bottles for when you work out. They're just handy little bottles and they're uh, good to go. Uh, Today's episode is a special episode. Again, I can tell you, I think you can tell that I've been on a roll with interviews. Um, Episode 66 is going to be an interview with the gentleman, Daniel Joseph from combatpsych.com. Daniel was an army officer. With an interesting civilian career before uh, the army, like most of us, and an even, I think an even more interesting career after the army. Uh, but uh there's gonna be some lessons learned from the army and directly relating to a book he wrote and his CombatPsych.com website. So without further ado, let's get Dan on the podcast. Hey Welcome to the Watch Rolling Podcast, Dan. How are you doing?
1: Up? Good. To Not much, be here, man. man.
0: Good to see you. Good to yeah. see you. So, how was so, your day today? Pretty good?
1: Yeah, it was good, man. It was good. I was excited to get on with you. Um, our initial call was—I mean, we yeah. clicked right away. So yeah. I'm pumped. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's a—I
0: think it's a SoCal connection. I try to tell people all the time, man. Like we're, we're pretty uh, amicable people. I think I—I I, I might be generalizing, but I, you know, I, I haven't met too many people from home that I don't really get along with. I mean, I, I, there's people that we don't miss, maybe necessarily vibe right away, but for yeah. the most part, just tend to be pretty relaxed and get along. But, uh, welcome to the podcast, Dan. Um, I did a brief intro for you. I don't know if you heard it or not, but um, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, how you ended up to this point.
1: Yeah, so I uh, just got out of the Army less than a year ago, um, and I was a combat engineer in a non-deployable unit. I was working with um, basically training units on, on deployment with the Joes, so... We did a lot of desert ops things of that sort convoy movements out there building obstacles uh operating as engineers we were sort of a we were enablers for everyone else so to get the mission sets um honed in on whether it's defensive or offensive attacks um we can get into it if you want but yeah anyway so like a lot of war gaming type stuff and then uh while i was in the military i worked on a master's in psychology just uh because covid had shut shut things down and so things were slow and i thought best way to use the time is at least, you know, work on a degree right now. Everything was going remote anyway. So, um, I picked an organizational psych, uh, degree because I thought it would serve me as a leader to, to be a, a better leader to the Joes. Uh, just being able to study myself, study what optimal leadership looks like from a psychological perspective, I have a background in cell bio. So I like to tie in the, 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 neurophysiology of the brain to that as well, get super geeked out on the science, but what it looks like on the outside is just being a good leader, being well-balanced, you know, listening to the guys and whatnot. And so, um, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I've had a, a long journey through my own issues, my own ego. Um, jujitsu did a lot to break my pride and, and, and humble me in a big way. And I've been mentored by some brilliant military leaders, uh, officers and enlisted from all branches. That's what I wrote my book about. Um, essentially, when I got out of the army, one of my Joes, he uh, survived his suicide attempt. And his name's Cody. He's still alive and well. Uh, I keep in touch with him. And uh, yeah, it, it, it really impacted me. Uh, talking to his mom on the phone, um, letting her know that you know we were going to get him help. And uh, yeah, there was, it, it definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. I was so grateful to that he, he survived that he is alive. Right. But I have so many friends who know people who aren't alive and my, so Cody actually wrote the intro to the book. The forward of the book was written by Austin. Uh, one of my best buds in in the, in the army. And, uh, at the time I wrote the book, 12 men from his unit committed suicide after Afghanistan. And, uh, after publishing the book, the 13th individual killed himself so uh and i still check in on austin because you know he's struggled as well and yeah. i mean we all do we're all humans right so what the military taught me and i'll kind of stop after this is just the brotherhood doesn't end you know when you get out as veterans and whatnot um it's important to keep checking in on each other loving on each other and uh yeah man so right now i'm just kind of talking to, to people about this book you're one of the first people i'm reaching out to about it oh, it took thanks. me a while to get over the nerves of yeah saying all the stuff that I did about myself. I exposed quite a bit about myself. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's out there now. So here we are.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And I read the, I read yeah. the, you know, the, the free sample. Like I told you, I'm going to pick up a copy later, but um you know, it was, it was really, you know, it's easy. I, I've i discussed this before and, you know, I've had other veterans on and, and you know, just by shooting the stuff, but it's easy to really get uh, insular with this stuff. Right. Like, You know, everyone's, everyone's situation is different. I know you talk about it in your book where, you know, there's different experiences with relations to combat and operations and what you do and who's seen what, you know, but like I always tell people, um, there's more civil service type jobs in the military than people think that still have a significant level of danger based on what you do. You know, I always go back to my experience with being a shipboard engineer. Like I tell people like you're on a giant metal box that wants to kill you. And it wants to kill you like 50 different ways, electricity, fuels, lube oils. You know what I mean? Like just climbing up and down escape trunks. I mean, eight deck vertical ladders, like there's all this stuff, right? And you can even be like an office person sitting in an office. You got steam pipes going through your space. You got, you know what I mean? All this crazy stuff. And um, so you never know what a fellow veterans carrying, what they, what they, you know, experience what, what they've had. And so checking in on your buddies that, you know, as a friend group is so important because a lot of times you're, you're usually buddies with people that have had a similar career experience, not always, but usually a similar, similar career experience. So, um, the understanding between the group is there and then some, a simple phone call or simple text can, can be pretty good and, uh, do wonders for you, you know? But speaking of your book, Dan. So the book is backpack to or backpack to rucksack.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yep. that's the book. And um, tell us a little bit about the book and in and, and the whole idea behind it. Like you know, just summarize it, I guess, for us, and we can go on from yeah. there.
1: Yeah. So the subtitle of the book is uh, "Insight into military or insight into uh, what is it leadership and resilience by military experts." So. Yep. I forgot my own subtitle but essentially the p- book is about a bunch of mentorship that i received from folks from guys who are like i said from all different branches so buddies of mine who are on the seal teams a marsoc marine um a green beret there's eod's in there rescue swimmers fighter pilots um helo pilot pilots one guy in the navy flew um sierras actually two of them are in the book and anyway so it's a group of people that inspired me before I joined the military they actually inspired me to join but they inspired my style of leadership they are super humble people they're super grounded they're encouragers they're positive people they're aggressive they're assertive they have all these healthy characteristics psychologically speaking that for a lot of my life I envied and I didn't have and as I got to know them I you know I sought I sought out friendship with them and they they kind of took me under their wing and, um, each individually mentored me on, on a different aspect of life. So I wrote about that. I wrote about how they're, what I like to call them is like a mosaic of Mm -hmm. role models that together make up the, the ideal brother or father. There's that, that, that connection that I have with them that I didn't really feel I had younger in my life. Um, and it just it fed my soul you know and then you throw in jujitsu with that right the physicality of things just became this this there's a lot of primal energy to it it was something where i lived so much of my life cerebrally you know in my head in my thoughts i still struggle with that i'm, I'm hugely an introvert in a lot of ways but these guys kind of pulled me out of myself got me on the mats they got me running mountains they got me rucking. they got me swimming in the ocean they got me doing things that were so outside of my comfort zone and you know after a few years of that um i eventually signed a contract at 32 years old to join the military and uh yeah man i i, I went to a non-deployable unit kind of bummed about that because i did want to go overseas yeah. and, you know um but it's all right because we all have our journey you know and and so what happened is i developed some really close relationships with combat vets uh, i was working alongside some amazing people that i i would consider heroes and and i always say that they'd cringe at that word you know they wouldn't want me to call them that but um they're giants in my eyes you know and i started to realize how much weight that they carried from war from not just the it's so complex man it yeah the, the the killing and being shot at and being blown up obviously leaves huge scars physically and psychologically. But then there were complexities of of leadership, complexities of home, you know, dynamics at home, stuff that they brought into the military that happened in childhood <laughs> that just compounded it, right? And so I began to appreciate, especially as I worked on myself through jujitsu, you know, getting pummeled, getting beat up, getting my ego broken, um, learning so much about myself. Dude, I started looking at them differently, you know, seeing mm-hmm. the layers. Because as I dug through the layers of my life, it allowed me to have vocabulary and an awareness to describe the layers that other people have. And yeah. that essentially was my value to these combat vets, was getting to have these private discussions with them about stuff that they've seen, stuff that they've been through, stuff that they've done in war that they've never really talked to other people about. Um, and they've given me permission to share some of their stories. This book isn't like loaded with their stories. There's a few of them here and there. So I don't wanna overhype this or anything, but. But the fact that they trusted me to share little pieces of what they've gone through um, in order for them to heal, you know, to get that off of yeah. their chest, it I felt compelled to, to help them further. And so this book especially is to help new leaders. Like if you're a new officer or you're somebody who wants to go in the military as an officer, um, you definitely need to learn about how to speak to people and how to treat them, even when you have rank. And if you're somebody who's in the military, you know, especially on like the senior enlisted side, we can have these discussions about both, you know, the yeah. the, the E versus O sides of the house, right? But um, it's so important to understand that the way we treat people in uniform, it touches upon all these uh, invisible, all this invisible weight that they carry. And so I'm kind of developing this this concept in my mind of everybody having a rucksack on their back of yeah. emotions and feelings and experiences. And some people have massive rucks, other people have smaller <laughs> rucks, right? But yeah. we don't know like in the military, in the army, we all have one ruck, right? It's all the same looking ruck. Yeah. But we we can have different weights. Some guys can pack 30 pounds and that's it. Other people might be packing 180 pounds. Who knows? Um now, when we do a rock, a timed rock, yeah, it's uniform. Like You have to put on the scale and weigh it after the rock because they don't want you cheating and dropping weight. So you, anyway, but what I'm saying is in life, though, we don't know what people are carrying. And as a leader, it's so important not to aggravate a pre-existing issue and to be a leader who can allow people to to heal, um, allow people to decompress and you know, and trust you to to have their best interest at, at heart, not just use them to get ahead and, and to build your your image or your OER or whatever it is. And it's it's so much easier said than done. And again, I wrote this book not because I have the answers, but because I want to have the discussion. You know, That's why I I talked to you about having that senior enlisted discussion with new officer discussion. It's just so cool to share that wisdom. Do you know what I mean? It's so cool. And it's so needed to help preserve sanity in the military, especially with suicidality going the way it is and, and whatnot
0: yeah no no i was exactly you know reading your book and you bringing up the senior enlisted to you know i i have so many stories about that even as a junior guy but like when i was in iraq i worked in a joint unit and uh our division officer what we would call him was a captain in the air force at the time he recently retired and he's my good friend paul he knows where he is shout out paul but he was a he was a captain at the time and uh mm-hmm. so he shows up and you know i don't know what you guys call in the army i, I think you call it formation we call it quarters in the navy right so we're having quarters and uh you know, Paul comes in, he comes wandering in. And so it's, it's, you know, we have an army specialist, we got a army second lieutenant and, you know, a bunch of Navy guys. And he walks in and he's he's doing quarters and he turns to me and calls me Jason. He calls me by my first name. Right. And we're the only two standing up there. So I just let it go. You know, then after quarters, I'm like, Hey, sir, can we talk outside in in the, in the hallway real quick? He's like, yeah. And we go outside. I'm like, don't ever call me by my first name in front of the guys again. And I said, let me tell you why. And I explained to him, you know, because in the Navy, we have a separate thing where we go through chiefs initiation, blah, 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 blah. There's a distinct thing, but it's it's steeped in tradition for being on board a ship because that's a much different life, right? When you're underway for X amount of days, there needs to be a clear delineation. And, you know, we chiefs, like, you know, we were all enlisted, junior enlisted at one time, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to talk to the good ones, get to talk to their people, get to know what motivates them, knows about where they're from, you know, what's going on in their life to an extent, right? And, and paying real close attention to personalities, knowing when someone's off and most of us that are worth it, you know what, walk around all day and hit job sites and are like, Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, how's the baby doing? Oh, you know, and sometimes it ends crazy. i will be like chief, uh, man, we, we're struggling with bills. I'm like, well, do you know about this program? You know, or we go back, I back feel like the E6, like, yo, you need to talk to so-and-so because they're having some stuff, right? Or maybe you walk by and you hear something. And, um, like, You know, then captain, you know, Paul, he, he was really good about that. I watched him after that. Like he'd walk around and talk to the guys. Like he knew who was from where and what they did And like, he even learned like what the army guy really did. And he learned about the Navy rates and stuff. And I'll never forget like years later, like years later, he's a, he's a Lieutenant Colonel. And he tells me, he's like, man, I really wish that our service did what you chiefs do in the Navy. Cause I don't see it as much in the air force. Hmm. And I told him, I said, well, you know, it's something that you can incorporate, but it's very specific to a ship. Hmm. And then when we were talking about that, it reminded me of a junior officer I had on my first ship when I was in E one, we had a Lieutenant. He was a nuclear officer. And so he wouldn't be down very much. Cause he's trying to get his qualifications on the ship and everything. Hmm. But long story short, he, when he did come down, he would go do, he would go like watch maintenance being done by those of us that did it. And at first we thought he was just trying to watch us, but in reality he was talking to us the whole time, like "Where are you from?" Blah 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 blah. Mm. Oh, he's like, cool. and he would do little stuff like, "I really appreciate the way you're reading your maintenance card and following the rules." Blah blah. And then when you saw him again, like a couple of weeks later, because he would disappear getting these qualifications, he'd be like, "Oh, how is how, how's that maintenance going on this?" Or you know, "How's how's your family in California?" Mm. And you were like, "Man, this and, and when you get older, you're like, this dude was a really good officer, mm. and I didn't realize it when I was like a E2 you right. won you know what i mean so that's a, that's something that good i got from reading part of your book too um awesome. was that something you like inherently knew when you started um in the army or was that something that was taught to you um, from like maybe a senior officer or a senior nco
1: you know maybe a little a little bit of both because you know a lot of dude you got to be authentic as a leader you got to let you know it might bother some people but you got to be yourself and i I'm, yeah. I'm a talker i love getting to know people and um even as an introvert they're you know yeah, I just, when I initially meet people, there's an excitement where I want to know who they are, what, you know, what makes them tick. And especially in the military, when things suck, when the environment sucks, dude, all you have is each other. So you you yeah. got to rely on that. But I, I have to say that there are a couple of friends of mine who, some of the first guys I met, uh, and that I wrote in the book, and I'm trying to remember to like change their names. Cause I don't, I wrote <laughs> I, for, you know, cause some of them are still active duty. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's a couple, uh, Navy SEALs who, really mentored me and taught me how they interact with their guys and how uh, approachable they have to be right and how real they have to be with them and that was the coolest thing ever that team guy concept and then one of my really good buddies will he's the marsoc operator he's got the same heart super humble guy um didn't have to ever i talk about this in the book never had to like overcompensate or act tough he just he knew who he was you know what i mean he didn't need to prove anything and then my other buddy jazz he's an artillery officer in the um in the marine corps uh same concept just close to the guys living in the field um he you know said never live better than than the joes than the guys around you don't mm-hmm. as an officer have a higher standard than than they do if, you, if you're in the field you know i get it's different on a ship but yeah. when you're out there in the desert you know um it's important that you know, try to separate yourself too much from the guys because they're, they see everything, man. You're, you're living in a fishbowl. But, um, I I just loved hanging out with the dude. I love hanging out with privates, man. I love talking to the E ones E twos. and I know it bothered some people. And this is why I was kind of, you know, offline when we were chatting about some, some people said, Hey, you know, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't see officers do that. Officers aren't supposed to go talk to those guys and be that comfortable about it. Cause I, I was just, I talked to them like they were, like brothers of mine, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. siblings. And that bothered some people. And I think it bothered some who maybe didn't have that capacity, just didn't feel like they maybe they wanted to connect, but they couldn't. Um, yeah. but I understand that some NCOs were like, Hey, that's could be seen as like disrespectful to us because you know, this it's chain of command. Right. But then there's others who would argue, no, dude, you're, you're letting the guys speak up. You're letting them know that you care. Um, suicide was a thing during the lockdown yeah. especially right and i didn't want to lose a guy you know i wrote it on my wall on my board in my office um like my goals as a leader and number one was never lose a soldier
0: yeah. and
1: um I, you know they came in like sir what is that because i'd let my guys in the office which also bothered people because like, why do you do that why do you enlist the guys in the, in the office I'm like dude what uh anyway <laughs> so they come in and uh they're just like why, why'd you write that never lose a soldier and i'm like i got serious you know i I get emotional, you know, he ask my yeah. friends, I definitely wear my heart on my sleeve, but I told him, I said, guys, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say, I don't wanna give a stupid order or push, push the envelope on our convoy movements at night or in our training that gets you guys killed or hurt, you know, cause I'm responsible to their parents. You know, if, if yeah. one of my guys dies, I'm answering to his mom and dad, you know, what did I do? What order did I give? Uh, what could I have done differently? Cause I know that's what I'd be thinking of, you know like my brother's a Marine. Um, if he died in combat, I'd want to know everything who told him to go be there. Who like, could you have mitigated his, his life being lost? You know? And so I thought of my guys like that. Right. And the, and the girls, there's females in the platoon as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too emotional about it, but like, it, it just, dude, like a, a lot of the guys came from rough backgrounds, man. Yeah. You know, rough violence, dude, a lot of violence, um, yeah. getting shot at, uh, Dude, just crazy stuff, and so these are the soldiers that made up my platoon. You know, all different races, all different yeah. backgrounds, all different socio—it's just a socioeconomic, like amalgamation of everybody in America, all in one platoon. It was so cool, but um, I was inspired to get to know them and inspired to be close to them and keep my finger on the pulse because if mental health wavered, and it wavered a lot. Um, yeah, and, you know, and and uh, things got rough, and so I, I was oh maybe overcorrecting. And again, that's why I wrote this book to find out yeah. what technically is healthy leadership, what's ideal leadership. But I wanted to hear from them from their mouths. Like, yeah. how are you doing? W- what's going on? How's your family? How's your kids? Do you have anything you're aspiring to outside the military? Is there anything else that's driving you that that you're passionate about? Um, dude, that's like, oof, that's so important yeah. because that keeps you sane, man, especially in austere desert environments. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that keeps you going, you know?
0: Yeah, no. I, and I think you're... You know, you hit a lot of nails in the head there, but the first one I'd like to talk about is, you know, it's always funny who has a problem with um, different pay grades, like talking to people, right? Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's like, well, there's a fine line with everything we do in the military, right? So, like, always, one of our officers, I don't have any problem with them talking if they're, like, asking the guys how things are going, et cetera, et cetera. You know, my problem is when the officer would jump me to execute work. Right. Yeah. But you have to trust that the officer will know that. Right. Right. And so, you know, I I'd walk by and you know, catch we call the damage control assistant. I'd catch he or she talking to a sailor and just be standing there and they're like, Oh yeah. So I'm oh, I'm glad your family's doing good. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, no problem whatsoever. You know? And then sometimes, even in a situation where something's got to get done quickly, right? They're like, Hey, I had are they backfill you, they're like, Hey, I had to have so and so do this. She's like, cool. You know what I mean? I'll just follow up with them. You know, it's the situations are so fluid, mm, but what yes. you don't want to do is eliminate any opportunity for, it's it's so funny, man, because you'll hear senior officers or whatever be like, oh, the, the, the troops don't think that we care. Well, it's like you're, mm. you're kind of reinforcing that by not allowing your junior officers to engage with them, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, you don't have to as an O six 6 go talk to the, to the E5, but I have no problem with the O two. 2 shooting the stuff with the e5 in a work capacity right like yeah, you right. know what I mean? as long as they're not going into a business deal together i think we're okay <laughs> you know what i mean but if so-and-so's yeah. asking about so-and-so's family right. or maybe maybe the e5 is interested in getting commission one day maybe that's what mm. they're talking. like what are they supposed to do not talk to them about it you know what i mean like right. it's you know especially when you say like you're you're stuck in a desert environment you're in the middle of nowhere but i don't think that's any different than being stuck in like a a, a ravine in a jungle or being stuck in an engine room on a ship right like mm-hmm. What are we going to do sit there with our thumbs up our butts the whole time and not, to, I mean, it's, 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 it's human nature, right? right? And then if you're a leader like you and you want to get back, well, that requires conversation that mm. requires discussion. You, you know what I mean? And sometimes you have to pull stuff from people because sometimes they're, they're intimidated by the, the rank on your, on your collar. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to fill out the room. You're like, Hey, we I heard you talking about commissioning programs. Is that something you'd be interested in talking mm. to me about? And they're like, oh, yeah, sir, because I, I would have asked you, but I was worried, you know, blah, 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 you know? Right. And then that helps yeah, senior man. leaders, like, yeah, senior enlisted like me say, you know, if you t- pull me aside one day, you're like, Chief, yeah, if any of the guys are interested, any of the troops are interested in getting commissioned, you know, have them come talk to me. I have no problem. Cool. Now I know, like, hey, any of you, any of you whack jobs want to go talk to the talk to the lieutenant about getting commissioned? You know what I mean? He said, mm-hmm. by all means, schedule an appointment or something like that. I think it's important, you know? Yeah. And I, and I like, always... yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good.
1: I was saying i always push my guys to like pursue education too i'm like go to college take online classes you know because things could get slow in the military or mundane repetitive and i, I always encourage them like hey your future is worth it man invest yeah. in yourself enrich yourself because you're going to make the army smarter if you guys get smarter you get your college degrees then the whole organization benefits and so yeah just letting them know there are resources if you need them and i was big on that get to the education yeah. center tap your, your tuitions assistance, start getting that, you know, um, yeah. just so they have something to look forward to. That's not just the job, you know, Yeah. no, and you're I wanted to see that.
0: hundred percent. Right. Like I, I mentioned to a lot of people, especially, you know, cause I, I tend to deal with more senior enlisted people, but if I, I know anyone's getting out like, within two or three years, I tell them like stop and think about what you'd really want to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a dream job when you get out and then be honest with yourself about what it's going to take to do that and then start working early. Like if you want to be a brain surgeon, I'm pretty sure you just can't roll out of the Navy and go into brain surgery. Um, but if you want to be like a lion tamer, you know, maybe that's a shorter path and you can go, you know, (laughs) spend six weeks being a lion tamer or something. You know what I mean? Um, did you notice that a difference between any of your soldiers that actually pursued education and those that didn't, as far as their mental health went or general Um, well being?
1: I think that the ones who did were more, yeah. They, I mean, they had like intrinsic motivation is what they call it in psychology. Like they were self self starters. Um, they did have more. Yeah. I mean, cause when we talked about what they were pursuing, they'd light up, you know, they were excited to talk about, it. cause we're not talking about vehicle maintenance. We're not talking about when the next formation is, you know, it was about, Hey, by the way, how's school going? And then the, uh, you know, they get to rant and talk about what they love, you know? So yeah, yeah. it was great. Some of them, you know, tried, to do school and then got discouraged. They got stressed out from work or they felt maybe unsupported by, by certain people. And so I, I definitely doubled down on reinforcing the fact that if, if you're my soldier, then you're absolutely supported in pursuing an education. Like, you know, cause cause it's funny and you know how leadership is, bro. Somebody comes in with one type of personality sets a standard, right? Then somebody yeah. else comes in totally different. And then everyone's sort of like, Is it okay now is this all right so like you said you got to tell them like hey things this is okay with me this stuff is okay i encourage this and so that was important to do um and so yeah i advise any leader going in um when you follow your heart and you want to do something for those that you're leading yeah be vocal about it let them know that it's supported i didn't really understand this i didn't understand how important it was at first because i i i guess i expected to just have to fall in in line you know Mm -hmm. in the military Cause that's kind of how we're indoctrinated, I guess. But um, realistically as a leader, you get to, you get to change things. You get to make changes. And I know there's a lot of resistance and this could be a whole, everything we're talking about could be a massive discussion because can you really change it? It's a huge ship yeah. with a tiny rudder, right? Yeah. But within your sphere of influence, there's little things you can change. And if you can make it 1% better for the, for the guys you're leading, um, it's totally worth it. You know, it's yeah. totally worth it. And the worse the situation, the more that 1% stands out, the higher the contrast of that. And yeah. so there's, and that's, again, part of why I wrote this book. Like, how much was I supposed to change? How much was I supposed to, to actually impact the military at, as an O2, because I got out after three and a half years. So, uh, you know, what could I, what else could I have done for them? Yeah. What, what I'll tell you what, bro, between better, you
0: know? between me and you, um, it's almost impossible to quantify. You know what I mean? Because it's like
1: totally is. You're right.
0: It's. I mean, you could have a conversation for five minutes, man. For five minutes, and and you might have just passed that soldier, and you may never see he or she again. And you know, three years down the road, they're like, man, when I talked to that lieutenant, you know, Hmm. it clicked. And they go, let's just say they stay in, and they and they have like a a company or they have you know a platoon, and they positively affect. 10 of those people and those 10 of those people take that little nugget, man, that little nugget you gave them. And it's, it's a mantra for them or something that they add to their quote unquote toolbox. You know what I mean? It's, it's happened to me. And I, I, I've had people, man, uh, bro, I've been like in the exchange, like you guys call it the post exchange. We call it the Navy exchange. Mm. And I was at an inspection command for three years once where I, every week I was going to a different ship, inspecting engineering stuff. I've had people come up to me to this day. Um, Hey, were you so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, I was an E3 on that ship. And that guy's really? an E8 now. And he's like, oh, when, dude. when I, when I, and he, and he told me, he goes, when I messed up that evolution and you didn't chew me out, but you showed me how to do it correctly.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: He goes, you that's made so me cool. want to be a trainer. Right. And I'm, and, and you forget, cause I've been retired for a hot minute. You know what I mean? Like, you forget. And I'm like, Oh, thanks, man. I'm so glad you're doing well. And blah, 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 blah. blah you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and not blah 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 in a bad way, just like man. And and it's the opposite end of the, the coin is the same. You you can lose your temper, you can lose your patience, you could yep. you could be prideful in a moment, and that could have the other reaction for a person down the road and they see you and they're like F that guy, yeah, kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I think uh I think asking the questions are good. Yeah. Um, like like you know, asking the question, could I have done more? Could I have done more? But I think like if you Really put your heart into it when you served. You've done more good than you could ever possibly quantify. It. It's it's man, it's 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 mind-boggling, but at the same time, it's humbling, right? Because you're yeah. like, you know, you at the end of the day, you know, you know if you gave what you could <laughs> or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. You know, trying to move uh,
1: mountains, bro. Trying to move yeah. mountains is, is a tough gig.
0: Yeah. But. So, you know, speaking of like, you know, because I think it teaches humility, but speaking of humility so you talk, you talk about jujitsu a lot and, and, uh, I know that's a very specific physical thing to do. Um, and I know for some people it's much more than just physical. Um, but do you think there's a correlation between like the, cause I, I've never done jujitsu, but I've read a lot about it and, Mm. you know, most fighting sports, there's more thinking involved than people think. Um, but do you think there's a correlation between like a combined mental and physical approach to wellness and mental health?
1: Totally. So it's, it's hard, um, hard not to see that, especially at the gym I'm at. So I, I was, I go to victory, uh, and that's where Jocko Willings at. Um, and so there's a lot of amazing coaches there. Dean Lister is one of my favorite coaches and he's there at the gym. And, um, so, you know, talk about mindset. Uh, it's, it's incredible rolling with team guys and just some awesome folks in the Navy and the Marine Corps. Um, it totally ties together because it teaches you humility it teaches you how to stay calm it teaches you uh how to you know to be aware of your body be aware of your injuries um be aware of your flexibility what you can handle your stress levels your breath control i mean all this stuff it's so in, in psychology they call it interoception how well you're able to to feel what's going on in your inner world and jujitsu gets you in touch with your body, man, in a, in a very special way. Um, and it's like three-dimensional chess, you know, <laughs> the technique. So if you're a white belt, you learn a move, and it's like, these are the four steps to execute this choke or this arm bar or whatever it is. Then you go to – they call it the lab, like where black belts will show up, um, and they'll kind of be all these black belts together going over a sequence, right? So they'll go over that, like, that white belt move, right? But what was a four-step move for us white belts would be a 40-step move for the black belts they'd go mm-hmm. into such depth and such precision and granularity with all the movements you know to just sharpen that move and make it that much more lethal that much more impactful and this is all mindset stuff i mean they taught us all they teach us all the time on the mats everything we're, we're educating you on here it translates off the mats it translates in the world when we teach you how to control your ego and use the appropriate amount of strength on a move. I call it throttling the violence. You throttle the violence from, you know, just a gentle push to like, you're straight up trying to take a guy's head off, right? Yeah. You apply that in an altercation in the business world or in the military. You know, if you have someone who wants to fight you and they're squaring up on you, and I talked about this on another podcast where yeah. I had somebody squaring up on me with fists balled up. And I knew exactly what was going on. I'd totally be down for the sparring sesh. Like it's not, not a huge, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm this awesome like fighter. I'm really not, I'm a huge softy. But, but in that moment I felt, thanks to the, the, black, the, the black belts and all the instructors, uh, instructors that we have and all the sparring, I'm not that scared of, of a one-on-one fight. Um, not like I used to be. And so in that moment though, I was aware of my breath. I was aware of my ego. I was aware of my distance with this individual. I was aware that their primal system was revved up. Their fight flight response was revved up way more than mine because I could see that he was breathing in his upper chest and I could take a deep belly breath. That's, these are all things you learn in jujitsu, right? But here it was applied in the military, like in the field about to potentially get in a fight with somebody over some, some issue about uniforms. (laughs) And, um, and so, yeah, uh, that brought me back. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so jujitsu is a a deep journey because you have to face yourself too. That's the other thing. It's, it's a mirror, bro. The mats don't lie. So if you're pissed off, if you're angry, if you're scared, if you're, whatever your feeling is, it comes out on the mats in those roles, it's in your body. And, uh, it's cool because you got to sit with yourself at night and think about, I mean, you think about the roles. You think about that dude choking you out or how you almost choked that one guy out, but then, oh dude, he accidentally elbowed me and then I just saw red and I freaked out and I got so angry and emotional and I forgot my technique. Versus another time where it's like, yeah, I got i got basically punched in the eyeball or like kneed in the teeth and I crushed that move. I executed it perfectly because I took a breath, I shook it off, didn't let my adrenaline spike. Those and those are days where I like I'll look in the mirror and be like, "Who's this guy? Like, how did yeah. I become?" You know, and and you know my joes would see it too. They they'd be like, "Hey, sir! Like, clearly you rolled because you know I would show up to work just pumped, man. Uh, it, it affected my mental health, and I know a lot of veterans swear by it. Man, it keeps yeah. them alive. You know,
0: I know a guy who's a he he was active duty, then he went reserves, and he made he's a warrant officer now. In the Navy, an engineering warrant officer. And uh uh one of the most calm guys ever. And so one day I noticed I noticed I think over the course of like six months, I was like, Ben, what's going on with your ears? I'm like, You fighting? And he goes, Oh yeah, man, I've been doing jujitsu, right? Nice. And Ben is like freakishly yeah. tall, right? I'm talking like six four, six five. And I told him, I said, bro, that's a problem. He goes, What do you mean? I'm like, Man, you got you're you're long, man. You're long. I could see the, you know, just arms and legs, you know, and he's like, man, it's so good. It's so calming. And, uh, but it's, it's apparent, right? Because the job he did was stressful, but he never, he never lost it in plenty of situations. He could have, you know, lost his temper. You no, know, always calm, cool, collected, went, w- worked towards a, you know, a solution. Uh, you know, if there was a problem, okay, it's an obstacle. Let's get around it. Let's go through it. Yeah. Let's go around it. Whatever we got to do. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I respected the guy right away, kind of, but I mean, I I respected him more watching and watching because
1: mm.
0: I've noticed for me, um, you know, all the injuries and stuff, I still work out, but I always joke around like an individual will never kick their ass like another person will kick their ass. And another person kicking your ass is far more humbling than me just beating the crud out of myself for 45 minutes yeah. in a gym. I can make myself yeah. tired, but I can't make myself think about life. Mm. and. When, when, when someone's got your back or, you know what I mean? Like yep. someone's got you in a compromising position. You instantly are, in some way you're like, Oh man. Okay. Okay. You know,
1: or you're trusting them with, with your life in their yes. hands. When, when, once you get choked out by somebody, I mean, dude, that's your brother, you know, yeah. because you, yeah. you just feel that primal connection. It's a tribe. Cause who are you going to trust on the street to do that? Right. Yeah. But here you are in a group of these guys, you don't even know the dude and he's, if he holds on for a few more seconds. You're passing out. And if you hold yeah. on for a few more seconds after that, you're dead potentially. Right. So, yeah. uh, and yet choke after choke, after choke, you're just going back and it's cool. It's, it's, a, it's addicting, man.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, so f- as far as like, you know, mental well being and all and the stuff that yeah. we're discussing. So we've talked about, you know, some education using your brain, um, jujitsu, some physical stuff, but also using your brain. Is there anything else that you've kind of ran across that you think, um, because you know, not everyone wants to be super physical. Not everyone wants to be super mental. Um, are there any other areas that you've noticed in your studies or, you know, doing your, your thesis or your book that are some areas that maybe people don't think about that can be so, like centering, I guess? Specifically, yeah. yeah.
1: For So just looking at the soldiers that I knew, I mean, some of them, dude, there's so many different types of soldiers. Some of them were into art. Some were into music. Somewhere into investing crypto, which is insane when you see like a 20-year-old Joe with a Maserati. Um uh, they made a killing during uh during uh the Robin robin thing with like uh GameStop, or so many soldiers yeah. just like yeah. Um yeah, they they have all different there's different ways of doing it, and th- the main thing is authenticity. Stay stay authentic and stay genuine to yourself because you're I believe, I mean, your brain, your heart will lead you toward what helps you decompress. The issue is when people feel so crushed by those around them or by the environment where they forget who they are. They lose sight of who they are. It's like, dude, remember who you were before you put on the uniform. Um, or like for me, I had to remember who I was before the alcohol in college. I was 17 when I started drinking, I was self-medicating from, from childhood issues that I had and um i had to remember who was i before i started partying and numbing out and trying to escape and dissociating you know and uh and i noticed that like uh the combat veterans that i knew who lost sight of who they were would go to alcohol uh, a lot of it and yeah. they'd be stuck in that loop of stuff they experienced in war stuff that they they wished they did stuff that some of them wished they didn't do um and they'd be looping right shoulda woulda coulda like what happened what did i do wrong uh i'm trying to th- i'm thinking of a buddy of mine specifically who who laid this out and um you know we bonded over that right and so uh it's it's important to, to not just look at how we need to stop certain addictions or stop self-medication but what's the pain underlying it you know that's what therapy's yeah. about that's what psychology is about and When you look at so there's this beautiful word in psychology called sublimation, and sublimation is a concept where you take the angst that you would use to like drink alcohol, do drugs, fight somebody, whatever it is, and you you channel it into a creative, productive process, and that can be anything. I don't care if it's dancing, I don't care if it's pottery, CrossFit, jujitsu, I don't manufacturing guns for like, I have a bunch of friends who love machining gun parts and putting Cerakote on them and designing weapons of all sorts. Like whatever it is that gets you excited, go do that. Um, And you can do it while you're in the military, but especially when you're out. um, Yeah, man, it's, there's no, No, that's huge, man. One size fits all.
0: Yeah. It's huge. Cause so, you know, I think there's interesting takeaways from this. Right. So like, you know, I came in the Navy like six days after I graduated high school. Right. So I graduated high school a week later i was in boot camp and um that was a hilarious conversation with my mom i hadn't I had been living at home for like two years anyways but i just rolled by I'm like hey mom i'm going to boot camp in like six days but you know as a kid i was always really right brained, right like music yeah. i like to watch movies yeah. um i like to draw now you know I, I read some stuff about stereotypes and stuff like that in the intro to your book and yeah you know in sure. my cult in my culture growing up you know um, what's up
1: brad my buddy just showed up oh what's up brad and uh (laughs) he's so uh awesome dude and
0: uh all the stuff uh some of the stuff i like to do would get looked down upon you know from people my age in my group um and then i immediately go in the navy and i was like there's not a lot of time to to really paint there's not a lot of time to you know listen to music's one thing um i even kept that kind of close to my chest because you know like it i couldn't just come out be like yo i really love pesh mode you know what i mean like the pesh boat freaking rocks bro like if anyone doesn't like should pesh-
1: i get it we feel like yeah you know what i mean
0: people. and it's funny how you talk about how being authentic because i think sometimes like especially the junior people when they first come in the military they lean really hard on where they're from and they become these hyper versions of where they're from right yep. and yeah. some even play it up right um yeah, because you, you you become like strangely loyal to where you're from it's really freaking weird um <laughs> It, it's, like, it's like they always joke about the Benetton ads. Like, there's one cowboy guy. There's like one dude in Dickies, and there's <laughs> there's another. You know, but um, yeah. I think it's important because, like, to still incorporate even even of like like you said to the sublimation. If I'm only going to be home that night for four hours, I should probably make one of those hours doing something I like to do, and not drinking. Yeah. You man. know, if 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 I like to draw, well, you know and you're doing a big project well you, you you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time right so if you dedicate an hour of that to yourself every night you know and you're conscious about it yeah you've done something for you and even if it's only an hour you you, you gotta acknowledge that so you know at least i did an hour and at the end of the yeah. year if you did it 52 you know five times 52 you got a whole bunch of hours in for yourself right so yeah man i think it's important and then i think you hold on to that and then like you talked about the jujitsu stuff, how the white belts have four moves to get this done and the black belts have 40 moves to get this done. Mm. Whatever it is you're interested in. If you keep at it, you'll eventually get to the point to where you're doing 40 moves and something you really, really care about. And, you know, and then maybe you'll figure out, well, there's 50 moves I could do to this and you can keep going down that path. I think that's a good message to continue to do stuff. Um, so Dan, you know, talking about your book, um, I'm actually excited to get a copy and read it. I, I learned a lesson today. I'm going to start getting people's books ahead of time and read them before they show up. I think mean, that would be beneficial, but we, we kind of do this on short notice. Um, but you know, are, do you have any plans in the future for anything that you can divulge or anything in the works now, or are there any projects that you've done before that maybe we haven't addressed yet? And, and if so, um, would you like to share them and then how they benefit uh, my community of veterans and everybody that watches?
1: I mean we can talk about where things are going right now so i'm actually in the middle of um training for a couple couple different things there's a one government position i'm training for which is pretty cool i won't disclose too much but uh, i'm also looking at the reserves Um, so i'm trying to get back in a tactical team environment Um, i realize how much i miss it already haven't even been out a year but the military changed me man it really changed my mindset it changed my interests it changed my connection with others and so i need to be a a group around a group of just meat eaters you know um who are savage and strong and uh there's so much we can go into there but luckily i found some some doors that are opening that are pretty rad so i'm training for that um i've uh this book is because of people like you there's so much love that i'm getting shown and um there's an opportunity September is Suicide Awareness Month. And um, there's an opportunity for me to give a speech at a, at a an organization that's pretty rad. A lot of badasses are going to be there, um, military guys, and gals. And, uh, they're Potentially, I'm going to give a talk on suicidality and how to prevent it, how to address it. Yeah. Um, little Little mentorship opportunities. I'd like to write a couple more books, to be honest. One on physical fitness and mental health another I, I, sort of a deeper dive into the psychological and neuropsychological applications of leadership. Um, I could ramble for days on that stuff. Oh, no. So I'm gonna, You're right? yeah, I, I just, there's so much I that's kind of pouring out of me now that I've found people like you out there and other veterans who are saying, hey, this is worth a discussion. I'm, I'm, I want a dialogue, right? Cause when I wrote this book, it was me venting, right? It was me trying to get through this, this kind of labyrinth in my mind of what's ideal leadership. um, What can I do to help the Joes that are hurting? Right. And now that the book is out, um, I'm hearing from people who are saying, Hey, like you have a seat at the table with me to to talk about this. Right. And that's pumping me up. Like I'm easily motivated, especially when it means fostering that community, right. With service members that like, spark something in me and so what i'm doing right now and what you this our relationship is a manifestation of is me leaning into that i'm leaning into that that pull i don't know where it is where it's going where it's coming from i don't know what it is but i know that there's something there and uh dude i just as long as we're having these discussions and people are sending these invites i'm all about it man and uh So ideally I'd like to be a, a, an author of several more books. I'm going to, I'm recording the audio book of this one as well. Nice. And, um, and then I do want to get back in uniform in some capacity. Awesome, Uh, man. Yeah. So that's kind of what's going on.
0: Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, you talk about opening doors and going back. I, I think, I think you probably are receiving the reception you're receiving because, you know, it's it's one thing to sign up, and you know, you know, we boot camp and or officer yeah. candidate school, whatever you go to, right? Is shut up and do what you're told and yeah. discipline. And I get it. Listen, I get it, man. Like, like I get it to an I get it right. Like, um, it all leads up to when something happens in a moment. If you have an order that needs to be executed, you need to execute it because a lot of times in that kind of situation, time is of the essence. Right? There's yeah. no time for dialogue. Now, the truth is. That's probably 1% of the time. rest of the time we're working, right? You know, you might be able to ask a question like, yo, is this, uh, is this wrench the best wrench for this job or is this, you know what I mean? Like, and and then a leader is like, you know what, actually, that's actually not the right wrench in accordance with the card. Let's go find the right wrench. Right. Like, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, but the whole, like having your head on straight quote unquote thing has not been a topic of discussion for a long time. And for those of us that, you know, I joined in 93. Mm. So I joined prior to September 11th. And, and I've often discussed how there's a, I've noticed a slight difference in the people that joined pre September yeah. 11th. Yep. And those that joined afterwards and um, not good or bad, just a difference. Mm. But a lot of us, like they talk about resiliency and all this other stuff, but you know, a lot of us were resilient before we joined. You know what I mean? Like mm. you, you had to be like in, I think pre September eleventh, you weren't sold on like this patriotic thing. You were kind of already patriotic because you joined the military, right? Mm. But the military commercials were more like, yo, let's go do some cool stuff. You might die. Mm. Um, but if you don't, you get this sweet college deal, right? Yeah. And then after September eleventh, there was a bunch of like, uh, you know, and, and I get it. But I think my whole point is is like you're getting A churn in this conversation because, um, as an organization, you can only bottle stuff up so long before it explodes out. Mm. Right. We inherently have difficult jobs. And I know there's a lot of, you know, smack talking between what you guys would call MOS's and we call ratings or communities. Right. There's a lot of smack talking. Um, but at the end of the day, if there's 300 of us stuck in a 500 foot metal box for nine months, when it was supposed one team, to be six one months fight, bro. one team one fight baby yeah, right it's a difficult situation right when you see the same people every freaking day for nine months and your ship is only 66 feet wide
1: mm. you're
0: gonna have problems stuff's gonna be out there right so we have to be able to discuss this in a healthy manner i gotta yep. be able to look you in the face and be like i don't like you bro i don't like you but we're gonna but work we're, together we're gonna work together we're gonna hey, figure we're this gonna out right mission done <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like in um yeah. And so I think I think yeah. it's a good conversation because you have the small end of that, but then you got the really deep, heavy end of that, right? Because there's yeah. people that have had to do very difficult, very hard things that affect them the rest of their lives with people they don't really dig or people they don't really yeah. trust, right? Yeah. And that could be up and down the chain of command. You don't trust the junior person because mm-hmm. they've demonstrated stuff. You don't trust a senior person. So I think that's probably why you're getting a lot of uh, traffic on your stuff because it's an authentic, like you said, This is my authentic take on this. This is my take. And what I took away from the intro part of your book is this, the honesty to say, I served this period of time. I served in a non-deployable unit because I think that's a huge community that gets lost in the military. Right. And I, we talk about this in the watch community all the time. You, you, all you hear about are the 1% jobs. They're the ones that get the watch deals. They're the ones that get the ambassadorships. They're the ones that do this. And dude, there is 99% of other people who do stuff, maybe not as dangerous all the time, but there is a level of danger and there's a level of difficulty and there's a level of hardship to that job. Because if there wasn't, if there wasn't, everyone would do it and everyone doesn't do it. So like yeah. to serve four years honorably and roll out, to serve eight years honorably and roll out is a huge freaking thing. Because like you said, it changes your life. And I always joke about, yeah. I only miss, I only miss a couple of things about the Navy. You ready? And I think this probably is across all branches of service. Number one, I I miss waking up to breakfast being made. Mm. It's, it's the greatest thing in the world because it's the one meal a, you can't screw up Mm. because you wake up hungry. You got eggs, you got some meat, Mm. um, got some coffee. Like if you can't get down with that, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you may have problems that we can't help. Um, and number two, I personally miss occasionally being going, being able to go outside and know I'm on a part of the ocean that a handful of people have ever been at before.
1: Mm.
0: Right. And I get, I've been reminded about how small I am in the grand scheme of things. Mm. I I think it's great that you're going, that you want to go back to that because, because for it to call you back, there's a lot of us here that can't go back that Mm. would in two seconds, Mm. right? We would in two seconds. And so I think it's going to be interesting to watch your journey of, you know, what comes in the future with your book and this journey down mental, you know, mental health and your experience with it and how you can improve that space. Right. And then also, you know, your journey back into service, because I think that's another thing. A lot of people forget that it is service, right? Are there personal motivations? Yes, but it's service, right? You're going to be serving us. You're going to be serving, you know, your brothers and sisters in, in uniform still. And I think it's just going to add more and more to this book that you wrote, and whatever comes out of that down the road. Because it's going to be a pretty unique perspective you're going to have, I think. And uh, I know me for one, I'm interested in kind of in following it and keeping in touch and stuff like that.
1: But yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, I appreciate the compliment. I just. Yeah. It's a, it's a doozy man leadership and just struggling with the ego and trying to grow and, and be the, you know, the best person I could be to my, just mm-hmm. as an individual. Right. And seeing the organization benefits, these discussions are, are huge. They're, they're really helpful. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you just remember? To, I, I, oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. I was I definitely want to have one podcast episode where maybe we can come up with a series of questions I have, like, how would an NCO perceive, all these things that I'm hearing as an officer. And then for you to kind of like read between the lines on that, like I'm being told to do this, this, and this as an officer. Right. And then you can translate, okay, as an NCO, this is what I'm seeing. Like it'd be oh, yeah. really cool to have that perspective. That would help me actually process some stuff that I'm still kind of hung up on, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah I'm down. We could do it any day you want. Cause it's an interesting thing too, because I think that conversation go two ways, right? Because a lot of times, like, so, you know, I don't know how many Mustang officers you've, you've worked with, but I've worked with quite a few and I work with quite a few now, retired ones. And we joke a lot about that stuff. And But the truth is, like I tell those guys, you guys hear conversations amongst officers that I'm I'm not getting 75% of that information.
1: Mm,
0: so it's right. imperative for you to be able to translate that down to me. Yep. So I understand, right? Let me, trust me enough to give me the dirt yeah. So, and trust me enough to go tell the guys and the ladies, I'm not going to tell them, I'm not going to sell them the whole, the whole farm. And I'm sure as hell not going to go down and be like, well, you know, Lieutenant so and so said this, I'm not going to say that. I'm be like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I'll know why. Right. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like my E6s or whoever, I pull them aside. I'm like, yo, this is the deal. This is why we're doing this. And they'll be like, okay. And then I'll tell them. And if you tell any of the guys, I'm going to hand, I'm going to hem you up like mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? I'm trusting you with this, but I think that's important because it's all expectations, right? We set the expectations for the level of communication we're gonna have, right? And for you even saying like we it'd be cool to do an episode like that. Yeah. Dude.
1: The why is so important, you know what I'm saying? I love giving the why to the Joes, but then then I'm am I being too transparent? Am I saying too much? Because to me, I'm like, dude, if you're man, I don't want to get into it right now because no, then no. we'll go over, but the, just, the, I'll tell you what, man, it's a measuring cup field. It's oof,
0: yeah. It's a measuring cup, right? Gets complex. And, and the important things to remember are a, you can never make anyone let them, you can never make anyone let them, let you lead them. They will only let you lead them. If you earn that period, mm-hmm. you can show up and say you're their leader. And they might even like, if you say walk forward, they're going to walk forward, but you ain't leading them. Right. Right. You have to earn that, number two, yeah. right? And that and that involves a measuring cup. Over time, you will determine. I would always say err on the side of less information immediately. Mm. In the immediate one, give them the bare bones of what they need to know. And then kind of see what they do with that. Because you know, I'll put it to you this way. This will be my last leadership. I don't want to take up your time. <laughs> In a group of 10 people, you got two superstars, you got six fence riders, and you got two you know what's on the at the bottom, right? it's the truth. It's, it's an unpopular statement, but not everybody's a superstar, right? There's just not. If that was the case, we'd all have a billion dollars and, you know, you know six-pack abs and all so Anyways, your only job as a leader is to get those two people that are at the top to pull those six in the middle towards them so you can accomplish the mission. Now, that's complicated uh, because you got to know what motivates yep. all ten people, yeah. right? Motivation and. Huge. You know what I mean? And it and it's like, and if you can do that and meet their goals while accomplishing the mission first and explain that to them, it's like, hey, you may not get your degree the three years on this ship. You might work your way towards it. You yeah. may not finish it because we got to get this ship from point A to point B yeah, and we're going to have deployments and stuff, but it doesn't mean you can't accomplish some of it because it's better than doing nothing. And I Bro. think that's
1: there's so we should have like a six-hour yeah. podcast we on will. this, man. I have so many questions for you, and yeah, yeah it'd be cool, especially we if will. I am considering going back in. Like, And I, I love – this is what I really appreciate about the veteran community is that there's so much – again, there's so much wisdom. It's like it's like oral tradition in the generations of old, like ancient traditions. Everything was oral tradition. I think that's how our brains are still designed, man. Just hearing yeah. you speak and then getting to stop you and ask you, but what about this? And what about? I mean, there's so much – richness to that you know and again yeah. this is i'm passionate about it it's why i wrote the book and i want to give this gift to anybody else going in because the, the the soldiers the sailors airmen everyone's going to benefit the marines like everyone will benefit if we have smarter leaders and people yeah. who are motivated to know more about each other so oh i get really like yeah. on the edge. Of no no, no you're right and the, cra- so in the
0: crazy part is the crazy part is is like you you don't even have to like like 10 of my my message you know what i mean because there's there's so many people out there with such vast, different experiences that yeah, so many have different learned opinions, lessons that so we can't different even. Perspectives. Yeah, man. dude, man, it's crazy, bro. It's it's complex. it's actually it's yeah. Like, so ugh.
1: that's why that's why I need to like oof, turn it back down. Yeah, like because I could go I could rant for days on this, bro.
0: Oh no, no, but I appreciate it, and I mean, and this and this is, you know, what I try to have on this podcast is especially with the interviews, right? Like, yeah, you're 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 Dan and. And you have this experience, and you wrote this cool book. But I mean, that's a that's a tip of the iceberg, right? I want people to go check out Backpack to Rucksacks. I want people to go check out (laughs) CombatPsych.com. You you know, I'll I'll put all the links in the show notes. And it's not an affiliate link; I'm not getting anything for it. I mean, Dan sells a book; he makes some money. More power to him. I wanted to. Um, Dan's actually inspired me to write a book, so I've started actually doing some notes. Um, You know what I mean? Screw it, bro. Why not? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll leave. I'll get. I'll put it in paperback. You're
1: leaving a legacy behind, man. Yeah, you know what I mean,
0: dude. Do what you got to do, but um, Dan, do you have any parting shots? Um, anything you like to plug? Any message you like to give anybody? The only um, before thing we punch out,
1: I like to end with man is um, and my buddy JP Lane. He uh, was a combat engineer. He got blown up by a two hundred pound IED. Lost both of his legs. And when people see him, they're just like running up to him, like "Thank you for your service." Like this is oh my gosh, you know. And he's got such a big heart. He looks at him and says, "You're worth it." And I told him i was like jp i gotta i gotta steal that from you bro that's brilliant so i'm gonna give him credit but i would say to anybody in the military um any veterans out there any human being really but especially you know those in uniform um you're worth it you know whatever you're going through look towards self-enrichment because the stronger you are the smarter you are the better you are the more physically fit in every way you know, better yourself. The organization you're part of, the unit, the team is going to benefit. You're going to be more dependable. You're going to be more reliable. You will be more resilient. So, yeah. start with you being worth it, and and watch how that trickles out to those around you, um, because you know the guys and girls around you are, they're going to feel that, and you're going to inspire them, and you'll you'll set a trend in motion that's going to allow health, you know, mental yeah. health, and 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 our troops deserve that, man.
0: Yeah. They're the greatest resource that they have and they don't realize it sometimes, Yep. you know, they're in numbers and you just got to get to know each other yeah. in order to be stronger. I mean, it's a, uh, it's so simple at times, but sometimes it's hard to see the trees through the forest. Yeah. But yep. I hear you. Well, Dan, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. You have hey, an open you, invitation to come awesome. back. Yeah. Open invitation to come back anytime you want to. And I want to say sh- shout out to Eric from Rico's watches podcast. Eric, Eric put us together. I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to my, uh, you, Canadian, my Canadian brother up there uh, riding a moose. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. He's not right. I mean, maybe he did ride moose. I don't know. Anyways, but I want to say thank you, Dan, and thank you to Eric for, for putting this together. And for those of you, again, I invite you to go check out combatpsych.com. Check out the book Backpack to Rucksack. And Dan will definitely have you on again. And I just want to include everyone, um, have a nice evening. Dan, if you want to say goodbye, you can. Yeah, and then, thanks.
1: Uh, Bye, everyone. And
0: and everyone remember, at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you.